On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, part seven of the series, No One Ever Spoke Like This Man. Today's message is from Sunday morning, May 13, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Would you stand with me? I do believe I have a word for you. Once again, thank you for being a part of this special service to our mothers. I want to honor also my wife, my beautiful, beautiful wife, mother of my children. God has blessed me with the greatest wife and mother in the world. I honor you this day. Amen. We continue our series, No Man Has Ever Spoke Like This. Today, I want to look at the very first words of our Savior, words that were spoken back to his mother. Let me just put you on notice. I've shared with our pastors, some of the hardest times to minister from a pulpit is on special occasions. Our emotions, our mindsets, going to lunch with our family, our mind's already there. But for a few moments, and actually we're ahead of time this morning, for a few moments, if you'll just let me share from my heart what I believe God would have you hear, a new message, what I never shared that I believe is for this moment, I believe you will be blessed. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Let me ask one more question. How many of you are here Wednesday night? Wednesday night. What about last two Wednesday nights? Amen. If you see a hand that's raised, you need to see them after church. If you're not here on Wednesday evenings, that's some of the best times that we've had in our church lately. It's been amazing to see what the Holy Ghost is doing. Amen. Amen. All right. The book of Luke chapter 2 verse 41, please. Luke 2, verse 41, while they're preparing it for you, let's read together. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, watch the terminology here, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother, notice the wording is changing throughout the scripture. In this tension of scripture, there is a transformation taking place right before our very eyes. There is great tension here, but also great transformation. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, the caravan, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances. So when that they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days, somebody say three days. Three days. We're going to hear about three days before Luke closes his pen of his book. They found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother, on Mother's Day, his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, no man has ever spoke like this. He said to them, why do you seek me? And secondly, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. That he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. 
and Jesus increased in wisdom and statue and found favor with God and with man. Blessed be the reading and the hearing of God's word. And somebody say amen. 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 Stretch your hand this way, Brother Mark Smith, right where you're standing. Would you pray that the congregation would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Amen. You may be seated this morning. I normally do not start a sermon like this, but let me set up this message with two stories. When Aiden was about three years of age, I was at camp meeting, and Jessica had him at Walmart. That should have been a bad sign right there, but she was at Walmart. Amen. She was watching him, and he was three, and evidently in his mind, he no longer wanted to sit in the buggy. That's what we call them in Society Hill. I don't know what y'all call them up here. But in the buggy there, he was wanting to sit, but that day it changed his mind. He was a big boy now. One of her roommates from college was with her, and they're walking through Walmart. Aiden, at three years of age, walking by her side, he decided on his own at three years of age, because he has great wisdom at three years of age, he decided to play hide-and-go-seek with her. At first, it started out, he walked around one aisle and she was disciplining him and come back. And Ashley, you know, as a mom would do a child, stay with me. And the next time he got out a little further, she rebuked him. But somehow, some way, he made his way to really hide really good that day at Walmart. She texts me. I'm in a meeting to let me know at that time and uh, maybe call. I don't know what year that was. Maybe it was a call. But to let me know that Aiden is playing hide and go seek and I can't find him. She's at Walmart. They has to go to the manager. They make this Adam call. They make her stay in one spot in case they find him. They don't want to lose her. She's crying. She's praying. She's praying that the Holy Ghost would come down. At this Walmart, they have an opening where the buggies will go out to the parking lot. And in her mind, she was having this ungodly vision that Aiden had crawled out through the buggy place and that he was out in the road and somehow, some way, he got ran over by a vehicle. You understand what's going on here? When I spoke to her, the terror in her voice is indescribable. It is the greatest fear of a parent to think that I have lost my child or I have misplaced my child or my child has run away from home and I can't find them. There's something about eyesight. There's something about touch. There's something about knowing that God has put them in our care and if I can see them, I can touch them. That's why we love cell phones as parents. Not so we can stay on Facebook or Google, but because we want our children to have them because when I want to get a hold of you, amen, I pay $49 a month and when I text you, you have a half second to text me back or I will embarrass you at that high school. Well, mom, I couldn't. I was busy. No, you texting at church half the time. You can answer me. If God or me text you, you stop what you're doing. I don't care if it's the winning touchdown play of the state championship game. Boy, if I text you, you better text me back. Right? It's a peace of mind. And you think that this will pass in my family, but oh, no, no, my family is special. I don't know why, but we're special. Two weekends ago, my brother, actually it was last weekend, excuse me, could not make it to our, our pastor appreciation. He's not been here yet, by the way, but my younger brother was supposed to come, but he was playing in a tournament to raise money for church. 
So he's in Myrtle Beach and he calls me and fear was in his voice. And he lets me know that his son, his 15 year old son, who's having a birthday today by the name of Gage, was supposed to go to a friend's house, but the friend was gonna pick him up from church. My brother's gone to the beach to raise money for the church. My sister-in-law was at the church doing a ladies thing, trying to raise money. And my nephew was supposed to stay until a friend and his mom picks him up. Oh, but my nephew and all his wisdom decides they're running a little bit late. So I think I will just go because I'm Davy Crockett and I know where I'm going. So he starts out in the woods to go to his friend's house. But if you're a hunter, you know as it gets late at night, if you're in the woods, you better know where you're at because you can lose your bearings in a hurry. So my nephew somehow gets lost in the woods at 15 years of age. And when I get the phone call, only like my family can do now at this time, it's not just my family, but it's 30 of the law enforcement and they're about to call the chopper out of Columbia to find my nephew who's so brilliant in his own mind. I know your family doesn't have stories like that, but my family, we have a bunch of stories like that. So the fear in my brother's voice and also his words after Sister Romeo, I heard him say this, help me pray that I find him and when I find him, you need to pray for him next. <laughs> pray. I said, Brainy, you can pray. No, 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 no. I'm not as spiritual right now as you are. You're the preacher. I just go to church. And when I find him, I'm telling you, I need all the prayer and restraint that the Holy Ghost can muster up. And we laughed about that later. But at that time, there was a great fear and a great fear. Of course, my mom would step in as the peacemaker and bring peace. And that's why God has blessed her and put her in our family. But to be honest, Tiffany, at that time, there was fear in my brother's voice, just like it was in Jessica. Do you know that's not new in Luke chapter two? One of the greatest stories of the New Testament to begin the ministry of our Lord. And there's a lot that transpires in this chapter, but for time's sake, I'm gonna right to the point. If you look at this chapter, the very first time that this man, this Christ, this, this God man speaks, it is not to the temple in the sense of scripture, but he's speaking back to his mother and his earthly father. At this moment, we, we look at the scripture, we see these immediate things. First of all, this is in the youth of our Lord and to understand why that's so powerful because no other place in the gospels do we see spoken about at this time period of our Lord and Savior. We see the miracles and the manifestation of the supernatural power of the Godhead, the triune God in chapter one and we understand about the Magi and all that takes place but to see the life that the Holy Ghost allows the curtain to pull back joy just for a moment to see us or see the Savior at 12 or 13 years of age. It's the only time. Secondly, these are the only words spoken or the first words I should say spoken in now at 12 years of age. The very first words spoken by a Savior. This series that I've been doing, no man has ever spoke like this. We get to see the first words in scripture that our Savior spoke of. Thirdly, this is the last time Joseph is ever mentioned in the life of our Lord. In the tension of this text, there is a transition of major importance, not only in the life of our Savior, but also in the life of Joseph. It is John the Baptist before we hear the words, I must decrease so he can increase. Doesn't mean God is mad at Joseph. In fact, I believe that Joseph does not get the credit that he deserves. To take a woman who says, I love you and I'm, I'm pure, I'm a virgin, but by the way, I'm pregnant. And it's of the Holy Ghost. 
Yet Joseph, even when he was going to doubt, God showed up and that man believed the voice of God and this man took care of Jesus Christ in his home and he taught him in his modest home, not knowing that even though his home was modest, it did not matter because nothing he could make by his own hand would compare to the house that our Lord and Savior left from. Is anybody listening this morning? Now Joseph is going to fade from the scene. Look to your neighbor and say, he's preaching this morning. Oh, that's good. You with me? Now let me walk you quickly down this text. In this text, we see this transition. I keep using the word tension because tension is flowing through this chapter between a son, mother, father relationship and also this deity versus humanity that will give way to sovereignty. It's, it's at play right before our very eyes. This, this, this Jesus is growing up before us and he knows to where to go because before they would crown him king, they had to go through the custom of crowning him a man and not a boy at his bar mitzvah, as we would call it. The parents, now let's walk this down. Are you with me this morning? I feel good. Amen. They've gone up to Jerusalem as they have done every year to the feast of the Passover. Jesus is now 12 years of age. At this time, an Israelite boy will become the son of the law or the son of commandment because up to this point, Joseph has been his teacher. But now there's a transition from being a boy to a man that will also propel him in the church world from a boy to a man. Something happens though. When they leave to go back home, Jesus is not there. Now I know what you're thinking, but Brother Nolan, shouldn't they have buckled him into the car seat? You're thinking in 2018 eyes and not at the day where Jesus walked. This was a long journey. In fact, when they had to find him, it took three days to find him. They would travel in caravans, women in the front, men in the back. Probably because it was gracious to the men, to the women, because they're walking or in camel, riding on camels or bees. Could you imagine the ones that were in the back? Hello? Oh, never mind. I, you have to get that on the way home. But the women and children would be in the front. I bet Mary was thinking, I bet Joseph has got him. And I bet Joseph was thinking, oh, I know Mary has him. She's such a good mother. It's kind of like when the Ashton says, I need to use the bathroom. He doesn't say it like that, but he's got a potty. And this is what I'm thinking sitting in my chair praying, right? Okay, I was trying to jazz that up spiritually, but that's not all the time. Here's what I'm thinking. My beautiful wife has that. And while she's curling her hair on Sunday morning, you know what she's thinking? My good looking, handsome husband has that right there. Both of us are checking the box. So before we throw stone at Mary and Joseph, you've got to understand the time here. But Jesus is not there. He is in the temple at 12 years of age. He is sitting in a place there where he should not be speaking. But yet he is asking questions. And they are asking questions of him. They are marveling about his theology. But they don't understand that the theology that is being spoken is not just any theology. It is his theology. He is not speaking as a priest about another spiritual being. He is not trying to tell a story by looking at historical circumstance and reciting scripture. He is the word manifested in flesh. He needs no, uh, he needs no uh, seminary help. He doesn't have to go and look what this means. He doesn't have to look up the Greek or the Hebrew. He is the Greek and the Hebrew wrapped up in a flesh in the womb of a virgin now at the 12 years of age standing in the 
temple and letting them know that I'm teaching you now. I've got a few questions, but my questions are not for answers. My questions is to set you up so I might give you the answer. Jesus is now in the midst. All of a sudden in his great theology, in his great teaching, there comes a knock at the door. Mom walks in. I can see her face right now. The greatest whooping, I said whooping, that's a spiritual word, I have ever received by the hands of my mother. And I, I look back now, and Anthony, I was so wrong because I didn't understand the magnitude of the moment. My mama made me wear a pair of pants uh, for fifth grade, okay? I can still remember why it was so important because it was on Valentine's Day. And I was trying to talk to a little girl named Crystal Burr, but that's a whole different story, amen. And I remember what my mom saying, you've got to wear these pants. And I said, I ain't wearing them pants. Them were church pants. You with me? And mama said, son, you're wearing these pants. Now me at 39, I realized at that time, my mom was taking her money and going to places trying to find me clothes at that time. Because at that time in my family's life, my dad was going through a back surgery and there was a lot going on and we didn't have anything. And I, I can only look back now with such distaste that I had at that young age, knowing that my mama was not making me to wear something to embarrass me. She was giving me her very best. You understand? But now at 39, I see that. When I was fifth, sixth grade, I didn't see that. But now to bring the story back to life, I don't feel as bad now because after I told her the third time, I was not wearing those church pants to school. My mama got out a switch. I'm not condoning that. I know you go to jail today. I, I understand all that. But we have like these weeping willow bushes in society here. You understand what I'm saying? They bend but don't break. And then she gets all spiritual. It's just like Jesus. You will bend and don't break while she's turning me around and around and around. God, give me the strength. I'm saying, God, make her stop, please. I'm going to school. You understand? This is what I see Mary doing right here. Because even though he is the son of God, she gave birth to the Son of God. And I know, I know through my own humanity why she pondered. And the scripture says, Brother Ed, before it closed, that she kept these things in her heart. Could you imagine as much as she did not understand who he was, she knew exactly who she was. Who he was, excuse me. She may not understood what happened before he took his first earthly breath, but she knows since then, he slept on my chest. He nursed from my bosom and my breast. He is my child. He may die for you later, but he's my Jesus who I nursed and raised to this point. And he left me. And I have searched three days for him. She shows up now and she says, boy, this is my translation, where have you been? We have looked for you three days. Where have you been? And the, the actual translation says, we have done it, it, it says anxiously in the King James, but it really means with pain. We have sought you. We have gone through and exhausted every possibility, but you left out the place where he probably should have been. And Jesus responds back to her, and if it was not because of his deity, he would be in error here. But because of who he was, the error is not his, it is theirs because they don't understand the tension and the transition in the text. Jesus said, firstly, his first words, no man has spoke like this. First of all, why did you seek me? Because you're 12 years of age. And DSS would have been in our house on a camel today if we didn't find you, you understand? 
you're 12 years of age, son. I am your mother. That's why I'm here. I don't care what Danny says. I don't care what Russell says. I don't care what anybody else says in this synagogue, this temple. I am your mother. And by the way, your daddy's taking his belt off his long robe right now. And Jesus is saying words like this. Why are you seeking me? Because you're my child. And then secondly, he sells something so profound that we have missed it in scripture because we bypass it, because we see our own self in losing a child, but we don't understand by losing a child, Jesus is introducing us to his sonship. Because at this moment, there's a transition in scripture. It takes us from the infancy and the baby in a manger, and now actually it is changing to a place of sonship that the next time that the scriptures picked up is no longer about this 12-year-old just teaching. It's about this man walking, and all of a sudden John will see him and say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There is this transition. Please listen. I'm telling you, just give me a few minutes. There is a transition right here. Jesus says, Don't you understand? I must be about my father's business. At first glance about that, I don't like it. Let me tell you why. Because in my own humanity, I feel like Joseph does not get a fair deal. What do you mean about your father's business? Your father is standing right there. I wonder how Joseph must have felt. Boy, I've been looking for you three days. And the only thing you could tell me, I've cried for you. I've prayed for you. I wanted to know where you at. We couldn't sleep last night. And the only thing you could tell me is, why did you look for me? I hope Aiden does that today. Oh, goodness gracious. Show up at, at 3.30 and he's not there and he's at somebody's house and I knock on a door and it's 5.30. He asks me, oh, why are you looking for me? Because boy, everything you got, I paid for with the help of Almighty God. And until you can wipe your own nose and pay for your own gas, you better get in my trunk right now. You understand what I'm saying? I'm serious. I'm preaching the pulpit. When it comes to that stuff, I'm, I, I, I get a little side of heel on him sometimes. I'm just being honest. What do you mean, why did we seek you? And then you have the audacity to tell us, one translation says, I was in my father's house. Whew. What do you mean? And I can see Mary now going back in her mind thinking about, Mary, you have found favor with God and with man. And you shall behold a child. And this child shall be of the Holy Ghost. You shall be pure and be a virgin, but you shall give birth to this child and this child shall be raised up to be the son of God. Now it's transitioning. Are you with me this morning? When this happens at this crucial stage, this is the place where humanity of our Lord, excuse me, and the deity of our Lord is at play together because these two are now going to give way to sovereignty. And because of that sovereignty, we must see a, a perfect balance of God and man. You understand? It's got to be perfect. He must be fully man, but also be fully God. And to do that, it will give way to sonship. Because in that divine sonship, there is divine sovereignty. If he did not have divine sovereignty, he would be at error with his mother. But since he has divine sovereignty, he is at perfect balance with Joseph and Mary and also perfect balance with Jehovah God himself.
This is the place where Jesus now is stepping forth. You will say to me, but Brother Nolan, it's 18 years later before we do the ministry and this will be known as a silent time of our Lord. I do not believe that. Why? Because the Bible will say before this chapter closed that he will grow in wisdom and statue. What you don't understand, this is where he begins to grow so he can take the place to die upon the cross. Not growth that he was lacking, but growth because he can show you perfection. The lacking was not on him. The lacking was on us because we would not understand him until God reveals him in the perfect balance of his own spirit. Can somebody say amen? Come on, give God the biggest hand of praise. These first words right here, listen. They are showing or foreshadowing something to come that I will close with. This foreshadowing right here is giving way because Mary, Simeon told her in 2.35, same chapter, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. At this time, Mary's role is going to begin to change. Sonship is now coming to the forefront. This time, Jesus would come and be killed in Jerusalem. And after three days, he would get up from the grave. This will be great pain to Mary later on in her life. Son, why did you leave us? Because I must be about my father's business. Your father and I have been seeking you in pain. I must be about my father's business. Let me give you some application this morning. In this story with his mother, there are three things that I want to show you quickly that our Lord shows us a demonstration. First of all, we must be submissive and obedient to the will of the Father in order to have growth in our life. I want you to hear me. You will never have spiritual growth. I don't care what you wear. I don't care if you wear makeup or you don't wear makeup. I don't care what you drive or you don't drive until you learn to be submissive to the divine will of God and obedient to the will of God. You will never have spiritual growth in your life. From 12 to 30, the Bible said he grew in stature and wisdom. Why? Because at this time, he becomes about all about the Father's business. To put it plainly, we have too many immature Christians in the church of God. We have people who are saved, but they have never grown from salvation because they have no desire to grow up in Jesus Christ. We desire to be 16 in the spirit. Listen to me. You could be a 50-year-old man and want to be 23 again in the flesh, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's spiritual and in accordance to Scripture. But in the spirit, something is wrong when you refuse to grow in God. If you're still falling to the same sin that you fell to 20 years ago, that means you have not grown up in the spirit. Why? Because you refuse to submit to the will of God and to be obedient to the will of God. Jesus says, I must do my Father's will in my Father's house. We need some people to grow up on this Mother's Day. What is God calling you to submit to in Scripture? What is God calling you to be obedient to in Scripture? What relationship is God asking you to do away with? What improper situation must you get a hold of to be submissive to do the will of God? Some of you God wants to use greatly, but you refuse to allow it because you won't submit to the will of God and be obedient. Obedience is better than any sacrifice you will ever make for the kingdom of God. 
Secondly, devotion to God's will takes precedence over all family ties. You know what they told me when I evangelized? Brother Nolan, you gotta be careful because some of the church of God's you go to, they're nothing but one big family. So I got spiritual on Russell. I told him, praise God. We're all one big family in the family of God. And they said, no, no, <laughs> you've not been in church long enough. We're saying that they're all one family. So if you hurt little Susie, they're gonna run you out of that church. You know how it is. When Joy's family does something, we get it because they're a bunch of heathens anyway, right? But when the Nolan family does something, it was a mistake. And I'm a, I'm a forgive Aiden because you know what? He's my son. And I just think somewhere in scripture, it says since he's my son, that I can give him a free pass. I don't care if your own mama doesn't want you to serve God. You serve God. Brother, no, you can't say that because that disrespects honoring your father and mother. Oh, I'm glad you said that because this is the perfect chapter to debate that. You honor your father and mother in the natural and you do everything in the natural to honor them. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in Matthew 15 for not honoring their father and mother. But when your mother and your father, your wife or your husband, your little Johnny or your sweet little Susie causes you to miss the will of God, that's when you have to be mature enough to do the right thing no matter if they invite you to the Christmas dinner or not. Listen, I, I, gotta, I gotta kick this bucket one more time. That doesn't mean you get on Facebook today and say, oh, my preacher, he said what I've been thinking. I will let y'all know I told y'all I was right. If you're right, you won't have to tell them you're right. That's right. And if you gotta get on Facebook to put them down, you're sinning anyway. I said it, get mad, pal, whatever, I don't care. I said it, if you're causing drama on social media, you're drama. I can't believe he said that on Mother's Day. It will sure help us pastor a whole lot better because you don't understand. I know you don't get this. I know they didn't teach you this at Wahala High School, but when you hit that send button, it goes somewhere. Right? It's Mother's Day. Y'all stay with me, please. Mama, I honor you. Joseph, you're the best earthly dad I've ever had. But I'm telling you, my father, my father, three and one, the glory that he has given me, I want to give it to them. But I can't give it to them, as John says later, quoting Jesus, until I be glorified. How can Jesus glorify? How can the son be glorified when the father is to be honored? And when the father, father is to be honored, Jesus then would be obedient to the call. The call of sonship was not to live. The call of sonship was to die. And once he dies, once the veil is torn, according to Hebrews, then he will live on the third day. And when Jesus lives on the third day, then the Father is glorified in heaven. And then when the Father is glorified in heaven, you and I can be saved. And then when you and I are saved, then that glory is put in us. And when my light and my glory touches your light and your glory, then the church is glorified. And then when the church is glorified, praise be to God. Cities are turned around. Churches are turned around. Schools are turned around when the will of the Father is being done. Let me tell you the problem. We can't see the will of the Father because we make excuses about our own family members. 
I didn't say you rebuke their sin. I didn't say you get the flesh and point out their flaws. But when we make exceptions for our family for why they don't do the will of God and we condemn Brother Russell's to the pit, something is wrong. Something is wrong. We gotta pull that speck out. Because we're not seeing straight. That's what this is about. Letting them know no matter what family thinks. My daddy still doesn't understand why I left home. He doesn't get it. I shouldn't expect him to get it because my calling is not his calling. My calling is mine and mine alone. He always says this, is there not a little Baptist church down the road that you can pastor and stay here? And I said, well, daddy, that might be nice, but that's not the will of God. And he would say, I don't understand that. And for a long time, Tracy, I was mad with him until the Spirit of the Lord told me he can't understand that because that revelation is not his, it is mine, and it is my calling. And therefore, I have to act on my own through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey the voice of God even when my family does not understand. Failing to do this always brings pain and misunderstanding as, as they're coming on this morning. Failing to submit. You say, Brother Nolan, you're trying to cause family strife. No, no, I, exact opposite, exact opposite. Because you can do right without, without getting in the flesh. Aiden, I love you. And I know this is not big to a lot of people, but Jessica and I, we had to make a decision concerning our child this year that is, has to do with Sundays. It's our business. But it was a hard decision, Russell. It was hard. I, I confided in you about it. But we made a choice because we feel like spiritually that's what we should do. And a lot of people around that situation, they don't understand that. They'll say, don't you have church every day of the week? Especially you Pentecostal people. That's what they say about us. Y'all go to church all the time. Three times a week, prayer on Monday, prayer on Tuesday, fellowship Tuesday with the ladies, men's fellowship, youth trips. We like each other, right? Amen. I can't help that your church, you don't like each other. But we like each other at North Wahala. Even when we get mad with each other, we'll come back and get over it and repent. But we like each other and we like fellowship and we like to eat. <laughs> Praise God. I'm telling you, if you've never had Sister Ruby's fried okra, you need to go by her house today, today. We like that because we love each other, right? And they don't understand that. But they shouldn't because they're not walking where we're walking. But if I'm disobedient, Ronnie, to what God's called me and my family to do, I will bring pain and misunderstanding to my family. And that's what I have to answer for. I want to encourage you today. The first words of our Savior, this tension and transition, was to show us a better way. And not only to show us a better way, just for a caveat as I close, it was foreshadowing. You notice that he said for three days they searched for him and how they were in anguish. Now to you mothers, can I close with this thought? Later on in the book of John, Jesus will be placed on a cross. They will put him on that cross for three days. Mary would be in anguish. Mary stands at the bottom of the cross in such anguish that they tell us through history she couldn't even recognize the face of her own son. All of a sudden, her son speaks to her. Mama, Mama, look at me. And Mama says to son, or son says to Mama, excuse me, Mama, 
behold your new son. And son, behold your mother. Because at death, his sonship was so powerful in tension and transition, he was God enough to die for her sins because she had to be saved. But he also was God and son enough in God man to say, Mama, even though I'm leaving, I'm gonna make sure there's somebody here to take my place to take care of your every need. What a beautiful relationship between mother and son. Amen? Amen. Pastor Nolan, where did you find that at? It's foreshadowed right there in Luke 2. Would you stand with me please all over the house? After Luke 2, the Bible says she pondered these things in her heart and Jesus increased in wisdom and statue. As you leave today, I want you to understand doing the will of God is not always easy, but it brings growth. I want you to grow. I want you to grow. No more stunted growth in the church. I want you to grow in your attitude, grow in your knowledge of God, grow in the spirit, grow in your prayer life, grow in God. There's people here this morning, there's single moms. You come to church right by yourself, right by yourself. I want to encourage you to keep on. If you need help, there's godly women in here that will help you. He said, Pastor Tony, you don't know how hard it is to get two children ready by yourself. Don't you stop. Even your own family tells you you can stay home and watch a preacher on TV. You need us and we need you. You need us and we need you. And together we'll do great things. And lastly, once again, if you fail to even say no to your family, it'll bring pain and misunderstanding to your life. Do the will of your Father. No man's ever spoke like this man. The church said, amen. Amen. Would you bow your head with me, please, quickly?